Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Let me give you an illustration. The child who always hears the words, you're no good, you're stupid, you're good for nothing. Now there's a seed. What the child does with that will determine what that seed will do. If the child receives it, and retains it, then that child is going to really struggle. They're going to grow up believing this. On the other hand, if words were spoken that you are precious in God's sight, you were chosen, you have a destiny, you have a great future, and words that were spoken, now those can be disbelieved, but if we receive it and retain it, it will produce life. Receiving. Secondly is retaining. Once a seed is accepted, in other words, believed, I believe that. I take it into my heart. I take it into the, into the soil of my heart. I retain it. You know, if you plant a seed and you keep messing with that seed, it won't grow. But when that seed begins to drop its root and it, and it begins to be nurtured, it will then produce. And in our hearts, when we accept it, we believe it, and we begin to nurture whatever those words were, it will produce. It takes us to the third one reproduce. It will reproduce. After it has been received and retained, it will reproduce. It's the byproduct. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So how do we test this? How do we test the words that we receive? Well, we have to check the source. There's three sources. I'm going to just put them in three categories. First of all, is that word from God? And, or is the word from the flesh? Or is the word from the devil? Where did the word come from? What's the source? If the word is from God, then how do I know? Well, you'll know it's from God if it lines up with his scriptures. So we need to be students of God's word so we can recognize, is that spoken over me? Or is that being spoken of God or not? We need to do that even on Sunday morning when a pastor gets up and speaks or any communicator speaks. Is that word of God or not God? And how do we know if it's of God? Well, we put it up against his word. You've heard the expression that in order to detect counterfeit money, don't study counterfeit money, but study the authentic money. Feel it, touch it, look at it, and then you will recognize when the fake comes by. You will recognize when something is out of sync with God when we become strong students of scriptures because he reveals himself in his word. So if it's from God, does it agree with his word? And then if it, if it does line up with his word, then what are we to do? We're to receive it. We're to retain it and let it grow. However, if the source of the word maybe is flesh, well, how do we know the words of flesh? Well, if the word is of the flesh, it will have selfish actions and attitudes to it. It will be about you and your rights alone. It'll be about you above all others. It'll be about you asserting yourself, not in a positive way, but in a destructive way, stomping and stepping on those around. If it's of the flesh, then it will try to bring you to a high place personally. What are we to do with that? Well, you don't receive it. You don't receive that. 
of the flesh, you, the flesh, the, in regards to the flesh, we die to the flesh. And so, therefore, we don't allow it to grow in us. So selfishness and areas of our attitude and stuff like that, we just won't allow it to grow. And you get the fruit of the Spirit spoken of in Galatians chapter 5. You grow in those areas, but you will not allow it to grow in the negative. Or if it's from the devil. How do we know if a word from the devil? Well, it comes from the devil if it slanders, defames, or rejects God's word, his character, and who God is. It actually rises itself against God. It mocks and slanders God. If it's mocking and slandering God, it's from the devil. Okay, to recognize those three, okay, so is it from God? Is the word from the flesh? Is the word of the devil? And therefore, do I receive it, retain it, and it will reproduce? More of this information, really, that's the study in the workbook today, uh, Words of Life. And it goes into quite detail, and it's quite a profound study. Uh, many who've gone through this study have just been, their lives have been changed because they've gone through it, and they've taken to heart the power of not only receiving, but the power of what their words are doing to other people's lives. I want to switch gears here at this, this juncture, because in following with living free, God doesn't just want us to have concepts. He wants us to live them out. He wants me to be a messenger for him to serve others. It's about others. We, a couple of weeks ago, were talking of the Father's love and understanding that God has brought us into partnership. He desires to partner with me to impact the people around me. Last week, we spent a bit of time when we were looking at where, from God's word, that Isaiah chapter 6, where we see the story of a picture of heaven and God having this interaction. And Isaiah, God was saying, well, who can I send to these people? Who will go for me? And before Isaiah knew anything else, he said, listen, send me, send me. I will go. And he put himself in the place, pre-committed to do whatever it was that God needed him to go. Send me to people. Send me to where the need is. Send me to where the hurting are. Send me to where the difficulty lies. Put me right in the middle of it. Now, most of us don't want to pray that prayer, do we? Who wants trouble? Who wants to be in the middle of great need? I'm going to even suggest it's one of the reasons that when we hear of things like night stop, we may dismiss it quickly because we think we're putting ourselves at risk because we, we, we fear that. We fear reaching out to somebody who might be or might not be in need. We fear, what are we going to do if, if there's a family struggling with their children? How can I help out? And we don't know if they're going to draw from us too much than we can give. And so we pull back and, and God's word just speaks right into that. So I, this... this what I'm sharing this morning is taken from a text found in the book of Acts, chapter 8. And I invite you to turn to that. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read a story from Acts, chapter 8. Acts, chapter 8, if you have your devices, if you can turn. I want to start off by talking about signals. Knowing God wants to work through me and you to impact others. I'm going to say that again. God uses people to help people. I mean, we, yeah, it'd be nice if he just did it all by himself and sent angels, but he doesn't. He sends people to help people. And he sends people, not just pastors, he sends not just social workers, not just doctors, 
psychiatrist. He sends all of us to help others. You can't but go through scripture and you see that, that he partners with us. So how does he do that? How does this actually translate into us knowing what to do? Or can we even do it? Signals in life, there are all kinds of signals. I'm going to give you a signal right now. If I was riding a bicycle, okay, look up here. If I was riding a bicycle and I go like this, what does that mean? Okay, some of you, it would be downright dangerous if you were coming. <laughs> left, right, left. Sasha, don't you? Okay. <laughs> Means left, just for your information. This? This? Stop. Okay. You, so you know the signals. Most of you know the signals for bicycles. We know the signals in our car. If you're a car driver, to signal right, to signal left. You know the, the flashing signals on a car. If you look in your rearview mirror and there's bright red lights flashing coming towards you, it's a signal. If you come to a railway crossing and there's lights flashing, it's a signal. You need to respond to signals. Signals are meant to signal you for a action to signal you and so there are many signals there but they're not all just like that there are signals like for instance if your toddler bursts into tears while grabbing his knee that's a signal when you ask your teenage son when they come home from school did you get your report cards today and they look down <laughs> that's a signal right we have verbal physical signals all the time. We, matter of fact, this morning, you've received a whole bunch of signals. When you came in, we as Cornerstone Church, I hope that you, I know you were because Anne was greeting people at that back door and she had a smile a mile wide. That's a signal. It's a signal, you're welcome. It's a signal. Sometimes we get the signal, you don't feel welcome. A frown, narrowed eyes, right? Clenched fist, back it up a little bit. It's a signal. Signals. We have signals. So what are God's signals? You hear people say, you hear people say, God spoke to me. And then I hear people say, I've never heard God speak to me. What does he sound like? Charlton Heston. What does he sound like? What voice does it come across as? Do you hear it with your eardrums? Do you, how do you know it's God? Because he is speaking. So how do we know his signals? It's there that I, because if we're going to be people of the words of life, if I'm going to be a miracle giver in order to help break chains in other people's lives, God breaks the chains, but he uses you and I. So how do we know what to do? Isn't that where the rubber meets the road? This is the how-tos. It's not good enough for me as a pastor to tell you what if I can't tell you how. So I want to tell you the how this morning. And it starts with three words. They did not originate with me. But to me, I'm again a visual learner. And it makes sense to me. These three words, I want you to maybe just remember them at least to the end of the day. Three words. Number one, nudge, cue, bump. Would you say it with me? Nudge, cue, bump. Bump, okay? Now, I'm just using modern language words. Again, they didn't originate with me, but to me, it gives me a visual to help understand it. So, for instance, nudges are when God nudges me, or we could say prompts me. A thought comes to my mind. So, a God nudge is that inner push that directs me towards a person, a place, or an action. Now, we could say the Lord spoke to me, 
the Lord prompted me. Someone would say, I sense God. Right? They, all these different words. Those are all Christianese words. I'm going to use a non-Christianese word. I'm using the word nudge. Because we know what a nudge is. You know, you've been, I've been in a conversation at times. My wife has been beside me. And I'm going down a wrong road. And she nudges me. That's a signal. Nudges. So we get nudges. A signal from God, the nudge, no matter how faint, a nudge suddenly turns our attention towards something or someone we weren't thinking about. We all of a sudden shift gears. It's like a thought just came. And there's a shifting. It's not flowing with the moment. It's a shifting. Another thought came. It can be maybe a vision. It can be an impression. It's a small interrupting thought that brings someone into your line of vision. You're tracking with me here. Most nudges are wordless. There's no words to them. Rather, they interrupt your thought. They're usually very subtle, and we miss them all the time. We miss them all the time. And so we go on. Often the nudge will invite you to do something you don't want to do. You need to go and talk to that person. Mm. Okay? I'm serious. I'm just being straight. Most of my nudges, I don't want to do it. Okay? So if you feel, oh, that's not, no, that's not a nudge. I don't feel peace. Get over it. Because that comes later. Often it will, it will, it'll take you to a bit of a risky situation, a nudge. Uh, and so too often we've, we dismiss nudges by saying it's not of God when it is. Uh, discerning the nudge is a learned skill. You won't get it right away, but you begin to look for it. And church, I'm believing God wants us to start looking for them. I believe God is putting us in the path of people that need something. You have it. And he's given you the keys to be able to complete something, but we're missing the number one thing, and it's called the nudge. It's the prompting of his spirit, but it's a nudge. Let me take you to the second word, cues. Not clues, cues. Cues, C-U-E-S. When God cues you, cues often convey important information about how someone is feeling or maybe what they're thinking. God wants you to connect with them, usually on an emotional level. Cues are fleeting. They are so easily overlooked. We have to actually reach out and capture cues. Cues will not smack you across the face. That's why they're not clues. Clues are stronger. Cues are less. Cues are subtle. And you have to, when a, when a cue comes, there's a cue come, you have to reach out and go after that cue because the cue won't go after you. Cue comes in two ways. They are verbal and they're nonverbal. They can be something that is said or they can be in body language. Body language is seized through a person's posture, their facial expression, or gestures. Um, again, I mentioned we had cues already this morning. Smiles is a cue. Or a person who's unhappy. Or they're forcing an expression. Our ability to read and respond to cues, as with nudges, is learned. You have to learn to pick up on cues as you do with nudges. Three groups of people that readily come to my mind that are cue-oriented are salesmen. Salesmen have to pick up on cues, right? Anybody here a salesman? You gotta pick up on the subtle cues. Attorneys and counselors. 
I know in counseling training, they train you to look for facial muscles changing. The person doesn't want to tell you what's going on, but watch their face. And the facial muscles will tell you it's a cue. And it begins to send you signals of where to go. Begin to watch the cues. Uh, the holding of breath. Cues, okay? Nonverbal and verbal cues. Let's go into bumps. A bump is something you do to another person. So a nudge is from God to you. A cue is from people to you. A nut or a, a bump. Sorry, did I say bump first? Okay. And a bump is from you to them, where you now do something to, in regard to the person. Uh, it's to confirm the cue. Uh, cues are that which gives you more insight information that you need. Often they're in the form of a bit of a question. You'll ask a question or you'll make a comment, open-ended. You, you are bumping, you're, you're seeing if there's something there. You bump it. Okay, so it's initiator. I, I don't know if you know or not, we bump people all the time when we say, how are you doing? Are you okay? And we mean it. If we don't mean it and we don't have time, then we're not bumping. We're just doing polite things. But when we actually mean it and we're willing to follow that through, we're actually into a bump. That's a bumping. Uh, you really want to know. A bump is not an intrusion or a question out of the blue. You're just not like you know, a, a spasmic mind asking somebody a question. We don't have permission to be socially inappropriate. In other words, you wouldn't walk up to a couple and ask them about their marriage. Inappropriate. Okay, That's not what it is. But you might be in the doctor's office. And you notice a woman with three young children, and she looks absolutely whipped. And when you catch her attention, you might bump. You might ask, it must be stressful waiting for the doctor with several kids. How do you manage? Bump. Relate it to the moment. It's a thoughtful question. And based on that question, you might be in the process of delivering a miracle. We've got to recognize them, though. Or the, the moments go by, and we don't see them. Go by in our life, we don't catch them. Let me take you to Acts. Are you in Acts chapter 26? This is a great example. So in Acts chapter, 20, Acts chapter 8, verse 26, let's read the story. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to the, now Philip's a disciple, of, he's just a child of God. The angel says, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of scripture he was led like sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Verse 35, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news. This is called the gospel. He told him the good news about Jesus. 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? 
And he gave order to stop the chariot. Then Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. By the way, let me just put a... Next Sunday, we have a baptismal service going on here in the church. I know I'm diverting. Thanksgiving Sunday, what better Sunday than to have a baptismal service? And we got about 10 people lined up for next Sunday. It's going to be a great day. Bring your friends, relatives, all your family. Tell them to come on out and join us in our baptismal service. Sorry for the detour. Let's go back. 38, he gave orders for the chariot to stop. Then both him and the Philip eunuch went down into the water. Philip baptized them. When they came up out of the water, the Lord, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Okay, this is a great story. I'm gonna play it out. Follow quickly, I'm gonna do it. Remember the three things, nunch, cue, bump. Everybody say it after me again. Okay, so let's look at the story. It starts off, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go down to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Nudge. It's a thought. Interrupted his life. We don't know what he was doing prior to that, but it just interrupted his moment. It was a thought. Fleeting thought. It might be of God. It might, it's just a thought. Now remember last week, I need to back it up a little bit. Because if we don't get these in order... Two weeks ago, we talked of the story of the prophet Micaiah, who got a glimpse into the throne of God where God says, I got to stop King Ahab. Who will do it? And one came forward and said, me. It's a picture of God works in partnership with others. Last week, we saw Isaiah chapter 6, after he had an incredible worship time in the throne of God. God says, who can I send to the people? Who will go? And before he even started, Isaiah didn't even know what it was. I said, me. And he jumped in because Isaiah approached life with a pre-commitment that God was going to use him every day. And when a moment came available, he was already ready. Now, what happens in last week, the whole thing was around this last week. If I get up and I do not make myself actively and verbally available for God to use with expectation he will use me, I will end the day doing nothing for the kingdom. I will go about my own day myself, my own ways. But if I get up in the morning and I pre-establish in the morning, God, send me into the mission field. Send me to somebody. God, please use me today. I want to make a difference in someone's life. And so I'm going looking for it. I'm looking for it, looking for it, looking for it. If you go looking for it, you'll find it. If you don't look for it, the enemy will make sure you never see it. And many times we never see the miracles that God wants to do in our lives to other people. That was last week. So Isaiah said, Lord, here am I, send me. Send me. And he went into it. And so we finished last week by saying, get up in the morning and every morning, put sticky notes, stick it on your steering wheel, stick it on your mirror, stick it on your, your screen to your computer, stick it on your phone, something that says, here my Lord, send me. And you start your day with that expression. And don't just think it, say it. Say it to the Lord. Lord, here my, send me today. I'm a messenger for you. When you go off to work, here my Lord, send me. When you go off to your school, here my Lord, send me. When you are going off to meet somebody, here my Lord, send me. An expectation that God is going to hear that and now faith, you are expecting things to open up. Now, if we, if we disregard all of that, this never plays out. Do you see that? Because Philip would not have picked up on this. But he had started out by, when God says, I want you to go out to that road and interrupted his normal course of life, Philip went to the road. Most of us don't, Philip's not better than us. He's just like us. Only he pre-committed himself to whatever God nudged him he would do, even though he doesn't understand it. Philip has no idea how this is going to roll out. 
He just goes. Okay, so verse 26. A nudge. Go to the road. So he goes. Q. Ethiopian eunuch of great authority was returning to Jerusalem to worship and was sitting in a chariot. People are going by, and these are different cues going by. Q. At that point, when one's going by, another nudge. <laughs> okay? Where the Spirit says to Philip, that chariot, pace it. Run alongside. So Philip starts going alongside the chariot. Okay? Big cue. Here's a big cue. He hears while he's running alongside the chariot, the guy in the chariot is reading scriptures. That's a big cue. So, bump. Do you know what you're reading? There's the bump to the person. Are you tracking? Okay, we're going to back this up. I think we're tracking. So the nudge, go to this area, place. Cue, people going by. Another nudge, this particular one, come up alongside. Cue, I hear him reading scriptures. Okay, that's a big one. Now it's time to bump. Hey, do you know what you're reading? Okay, cue. He responds back and says, I, I don't understand it. Bump. Let me explain it to you. He gets inside the chariot. He explains it. The story unfolds that he shares the gospel plan of Jesus and his saving grace. The man commits his life to the love of Christ, and they go and get baptized. Okay? That's how it unfolds. In life, it's going to be very similar. Those are the things that begin to unfold. I'm going to suggest they unfold in two primary ways. The unfold, and I'm going to call them keys, miracle keys. Miracle keys, I believe in primarily here in our Western culture, come through two primary things. Number one, the healing key. We, have a, we live in a world that needs a lot of healing. Anybody want to say amen to that one? People who are physically sick and hurting. When you read through the Gospels, it was primarily physical healing. But we live in an area with a lot more than just physical healing needed. A lot of emotional healing, a lot of wounded people, broken people, hurting people. Healing. Oh, my goodness. The healing key. Uh, that's another topic. I'm going to talk about that maybe a little bit next week. I want to go to the second key. And the second key is very strategic for where we live in our Western culture. In Canada today, it's called meeting their need key. I'm, I'm going to call it just very simply the money key. The money key. The money key will open doors. And I don't mean that you're going to bribe anybody, okay, or be bribed. It's not to do with that. But many times, because money is the thing we tend to value almost more than anything here in Canada, when we release blessings through financial giving, it opens doors that are just absolutely miraculous. Miraculous. We need to be the most generous people on earth. Because God has blessed us to live in Canada. I didn't choose to be born in Canada. God put me in Canada. Some of you have, were born. Some of you have immigrated. But you are here because God wants you here. And he's given you ability to help someone else. And that person could be the person near you. It could be the person that you're going to cross paths with. It could be the person in another area. But God has called us to be in that place to make a difference. The key of the money key. Let me explain a little bit about how I see the money key. This is a true story. There's a person, uh, so they tell the story. Uh, he and his son, he went out uh, to get some ice cream, ice cream at a restaurant. That's all they were going to get, ice cream. But it was a sit-down restaurant, a waitress serves you. 
He went to the restaurant. He was sitting down. While he was sitting down, he felt the nudge. It's about the waitress that was... The waitress had come and began to take their order and they were ordering ice cream. And at that point, he felt an interruption of thought. I want you to bless her financially beyond the tip. Like, we're talking extravagant. So she went back. That was, that was the nudge. So he went in. He, took a, he got money. He had cash. And he, took a, he rolled it up. She came back with the ice cream. And, and he says, he says um, I just want to give you this. This is yours. And he, he slipped it just into her apron. And she, oh, thank you. She thought it was, you know, a bit of a tip for what she had done. Had no idea how much he put in. She went back. Three minutes later, she's back at their table. And true story, back at their table, and she is going, she said this. We used an illustration a little while. She said, are you from God? <laughs> okay, those are awkward moments. And, and, and anyway, let me just quote it now. Uh, and anyway, uh, she's, he said, no, I believe, I believe, you're to have that. And she said, um, I know you're from God. She says, I knew it. It's a miracle. And then she said, I have a baby and we couldn't pay rent. The landlord was going to kick us out of our apartment tomorrow morning. I prayed to God on my way to work today. Here's the prayer, she said. Please send us the money or we're going to be living on the streets. That was her prayer. She said, sir, the amount you gave is the exact amount I need to pay for the rent. Isn't that great news? We rejoice with that. It was a nudge, stirring, bump into it to give her something. The money key miracle is rooted in faith-filled application. Paul the Apostle said, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Can I read that again? Go slow. Let them do good that they be rich in good works ready to give, willing to share. Did you note that? Ready to give, willing to share. Ready to give. When you give, you have open door to sharing. Our pre-commitment alerts heaven that we are fully prepared to act on that God-given opportunity. So how does a God transfer work? Well, God only gets funds to a person when another human being releases them. <laughs> okay, there's, there's the condition. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor, finish it. Do you have it up there? Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the poor, lends to the Lord. Okay? Um, I Another translation. Whoever is generous to the poor, lends to the Lord. I mean, this is pretty amazing. That actually when I am, when I am generous to someone else, it's like lending it to God. That's pretty amazing. I've just lent to God. I've just lent to God. And then he talks about that he will, he will pay back what is given. He will pay back. Any individual family or church that gives to local needs and secondly to foreign missions, blessings will follow. Here's the problem. The problem comes is it's really hard to give when we don't have. And we don't carry. In a cashless society, this has become a difficult problem. And I'm going to suggest that one of the things that I have done in order to deal with that is, I've used this expression, it's called a God pocket. I call it a God pocket because that's what it is. It's a God pocket. And we started doing this about eight, nine years ago when I really began to grab this concept. And so in my wallet, carry a wallet still, and in my wallet, I have a second compartment in my wallet. So when I cash my check, I take a portion of that 
and it goes into my God pocket. From the moment it goes from the ATM machine to my God pocket, I pray, God, this is yours. Now, all of it is his, but he's allowing me to use it. But this is all yours. And I pre-commit, I will never question when I get the nudge. Because it's not mine. It's yours. You see, if I think it's mine and it goes into my side, I'm going to put God through interrogation when he bumps, when he nudges me. But if it goes into his pocket, it doesn't go through the interrogation. When I get the nudge, I'm much more quickly. It doesn't mean I'm randomly throwing it out. I don't want you lined up here after the service. (laughs) But what it does mean is it means I am pre-committed that God's going to put me into the path of somebody this day, this week, this month. Sometimes there's months go by and I don't have somebody. Sometimes there's weeks go by and I just wish I had more. Because the need is there. I felt, I felt the nudge and the cue came and the bumps and, and it's like, okay, what have I got? And maybe I have to go and get something else. But what you can do immediately, because the moment often comes and go, you're on the subway, you're on the bus, they come and they go, you don't have a chance to get back to it. And if you're not ready, you miss the miracle. We miss it all the time. I'm convinced of that. And I believe it grieves God's heart. And therefore, we come down to this principle here where we're talking about how can we be releasers of life to people? Well, be ready for it. Be ready for it. And the opportunity will come to have the ability to touch other people's lives. Two common questions I hear about this. What if I choose to give money to the wrong person? Um, I'm going to just say God understands your willingness and it happens. God understands your willingness. Be willing. And as you continue to grow and work in partnership, you will get it right more times than you'll get it wrong. Second question I often hear, what if the person uses the money for the wrong things like drugs or alcohol? And ultimately, we have to trust God to guide us to the right people, even if that person might misuse the gift. I remember picking up a hitchhiker one time I had the nudge, cue, bump, in a matter of a conversation, taking this hitchhiker. Uh, the hitchhiker wanted to be dropped off at the liquor store. Okay, had to drive 20 minutes to drop this person off at the liquor store. But in that, God was leading that 20 minutes for gospel presentation. I didn't preach to them the gospel, but I was presenting it through these principles. Uh, let me give an illustration. Well, I, there's a number of illustrations I can give, but this illustration probably is the one that stands out most. Lori and I, we were vacationing down in Florida. We were in a church in Orlando. In the church in Orlando, towards the end of the service, they had an altar time, a large church. And we were sitting in our seat. Kids were with us. Um, our daughter was with us. Was Jonas with us? And, and they were with us. Uh, so this has to be 10 years ago. So we were there in the service, and... Uh, a person tapped me on the shoulder and this person had their hand clenched and wanted to give me something. I hesitated because I didn't know this person. It's like, <gasps> stuck my hand out and it was all squiddled up, rolled up money. Uh, and, and the person said to me, God wants me to give this to you because you need it. Because you need it. So I took it and I thanked the person. I mean, it's always exciting getting money, right? And I thanked the person and then the person was gone. I dare not open it up right away, right? So then after they're gone, I'm counting. It was $61. 61. It wasn't 60, not 50, not 61. And so Lori and I got talking about it. We said, the Lord said we need it. And we're kind of thinking, 
What do we need $61 for? 61 US. And, and we couldn't think of it. And just, so we just pondered it, asked God, you know, we don't know what to do with it. We felt a nudge. There was a friend of ours who had moved to Miami and they were just starting a church. And so we wanted to go and just visit this person. And so we went and visited them. And while we're with the person, nudge again. So then listening for cues. We were, the person never talked about their situation, but in, in just talking, they were, there were some cues that came out that they, things weren't working out as they had thought. I remember exactly where we were, where Lori and I had this conversation. We were up in, in their daughter's room. She was about 16 years old. She was playing the trumpet, showing her. She just had trumpet. She was doing it at school. She was playing the trumpet, phenomenal trumpet player, playing the trumpet. And we both felt, we both felt the bump that we're to give it. And we had already predetermined, actually we'd predetermined, back up a little bit. We'd predetermined earlier when we were praying, we said we're not to give 61, it's not $61. It said that we needed it. And we felt that that meant we were to now increase it 10 times. So we went to the ATM machine and we turned it $61 into $610. Now we had 610 US dollars. And that was in our, and then we went, visited this person. Then we were in the room, the horn's playing and bump, give them $610. So we did. Gave it to the person and said, the Lord spoke to our heart. This is yours. It's not ours. It's yours. We gave it. And, and that was, and the person went out and, and, and she continued to play the trumpet. Then they came back and tears were rolling down their face. They came back in the room and they said, you have no idea. They said, we couldn't pay our rent, another rent one. We couldn't pay our rent. And it was exactly $610. Exactly. And we're going, yes. Because that guy was obedient in Orlando. We felt we were obedient with, we needed it to get us going on this. And we help this person over here. Church, that's God's way of working miracles for you and I. So what are the three main things? The first one is the n- second. Then the God wants to work through us to be miracle workers for others. Don't be afraid. Figure out how to take it out of God pocket. It doesn't have to be a lot to start. You'll discover, you do this, he'll make sure you have enough to put in it because it's his money. You start doing his kingdom business, you start lending to the Lord, he'll provide for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this illustration of, of, of Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. I thank you that, God, you have called us to be generous, and you've called us to lend to the poor, to give to the poor, not lend, but to give to the poor. You've called us to help those in need. But many times we don't see them. Many times we miss it, God. I've missed it probably thousands of times. And so, God, I pray that here in this family, that you would stir our hearts, that we would be miracle workers and have the key to be able to release a miracle. And it might be through financial giving. And that, Lord, we would, we would exercise this by starting to just be, make ourselves available. Beginning of every day, God, here am I. Send me into a miracle world today. And then we have the resources on us to do something about it. So that when opportunity, when we, when we feel that nudge, we can act upon that nudge. And then we can get that confirmation from you. So that, God, we can be miracle workers. So that you get all the glory. You get all the praise. That, God, people's hearts would be turned to you.
God, we believe at the other end of these are people coming to Christ. People knowing that God heard their cry. Even though they never cried to God, maybe they cried into their pillow, but God heard their cry. And so God, I pray you would send us to the needs around us, we pray in Jesus' name. And if that's you, would you say amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.